good evening and welcome to another episode of Under the Helmet. We were going for a couple of weeks just kind of dealing with lost my mom, just trying to get things set, but I'm your host Terrence Biggs and we're back. It's it's good being back. We have so much to talk to. We have a intriguing show tonight. I want to hit on a couple of points before we bring in our guests. First and foremost, it is interesting to see the APDFL starting to expand. Apparently the Orlando Phantoms will be joining the league next year. I think that gives the state of Florida, another team to possibly compete with the Gators. It gives the league more of a further south reach, which who doesn't want to be anywhere near Disney in like spring? It's it just a, it makes for a good road trip. But like I said, we have a lot to talk about tonight, and one of the things I want to talk about are is uh, the sport of women's semi-pro football. Quick story: a friend of mine. Uh, Lori Locust, she played semi-pro football in the 90s, the 2000s. She blew out her knee, went into coaching. She coached at high school level arena, semi-pro. Now she's the assistant defensive line coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bruce Arians hired. She was the first woman to actually hold a position coachship in the NFL, and here she is. She is coaching in... Tampa. We hope to have her on in a few weeks, but if you look at the scope of women's semi-pro football, you see it turning, it's starting to expand. You see it it's starting to grow, which to me is interesting because you have a recruiting base of women in various states at various levels who want to play, and that's the hardest part of football at any level is recruit enough people to play. With that said, we are joined by Mike Gatewood, our owner of the Mississippi Lady Panthers, Mississippi Dynasty, three-time champion, top 50, all these awards and titles, made of good pizza, nor of bad alcohol. My man Mike, what's going on? How you doing, man? How's it going? <laughs> it goes well, man. It goes well. And we're also joined by LaShonda Griffin, player from the Mississippi Lady Panthers. LaShonda, how are you tonight? Well, I guess she's not really, but Mike, t- let, me, let me ask you a question about the formation of the Lady Panthers. What brought this on? Like, how did you get inspired to get the team together? Um, we actually had a flag league uh, that had uh, women's teams. And, um, you know, after playing flag for a few years, you know, we would always hear them say, well, we want to tackle as well. And um, we had a few ladies that played on the team. I believe the name was the Arkansas Wildcat. And then uh, someone came to Steve and said, we can do the same thing here in Jackson. And uh, Steve, Jack, and, uh, and a few other people were like, well, we'll try it and start it up. And they called me and brought me on as well, and, and that's how we got started. We're also joined by Mississippi fantasy quarterback, uh, running back, slot receiver, cornerback, uh, barber, Man who likes to cook during podcast, my man Stephen Jackson. Jack, what's good? <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? How you doing tonight? Is Lashonda here with you? Is, is she? Lashonda, are you there? Oh, Steve, to you. Mike had just mentioned how there was you, y'all had a flag football team, and you had a few players who wanted to put the pads on and start hitting. As someone who uh-huh. plays at this level and at an elite level, how quickly did you want to get the team kind of going and kind of get things underway? Um, like I say, with coaching flag, we had a, one of our players play for another team that was already in Mississippi, with actually two of our players. And after they came to me and said they wanted to play tackle, it was kind of mandatory to start up uh, soon. Actually, the the weekend after we won the championship last year, I think we started working out with them that weekend. So it was pretty. It happened pretty fast. There you go. I mean, we also joined by our co-host Matthew Kelly. Matt, l- let me ask you a question. As somebody who's around football, what could you say is the biggest opportunity for? A women's professional football team at this level. 
um, the biggest opportunity right now is keep the just uh, keep pushing into it. Just keep putting their um, their work into it. And um, I think the biggest opportunity is it can become a national phenomenon, which it looks like it's already picking up steam. Just uh, I was talking to somebody about Steve and them about the the uh, about the Lady Panthers, and see, I looked out it like it's a team coming to Opa Lika. So um. It was it was one of them things. I, I don't know. I ain't gonna say they're gonna be good or it, uh, you know they'll be starting out, but uh, they're gauging the interest in it now because they they thought it was a wonderful thing, and we had a uh, we have two women flag football leagues out here, and I think that you look up you can have a national wide league that could potentially turn in to the what well, now what's it called the legend. Uh, the Legends Football League without the women in the lingerie. It, it, uh-huh. You know, it, 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 it can be right. <laughs> it, can, it can be but you know, just showing them good hard nosed players playing football the way it's supposed to be played. Exactly. There you go. We're also joined by Mississippi Lady Panthers player Lashonda Griffin. How are you doing, like Lashonda? I'm alright. You. I'm all right. Let me ask you a question first. As a player, what got you interested in actually being able to put the helmet on, throwing those spikes, and get the smacking people? Well, I always wanted to play football growing up, but my mom wouldn't let me. <laughs> she was scared I was going to get hurt. So as an adult, once uh, I found out, you know, they was playing you know, tackle football in Mississippi, I was like, yeah, this would be something I'm real interested in. And I love being aggressive at times, you know. <laughs> I'm not a hitter, hitter, but, you know, if I have to make something happen, I love making it happen. And it's fun, especially, you know, people underestimate females. They don't think we can do some of the same, same thing guys can. And we honestly can. It's just a little different. There you go. That's true. Mike, that's true. Mike, to you, when you had the first tryout this past season, or just, just before this past season started, were you surprised with the numbers that you received at the first trial, or did you expect a huge turnout? Um, I expected a huge turnout, actually, because, like I said, uh, with the coaching of the flag, they all was interested in it. So when when we got the turnout we got, we that's what we expected. Um, like the league we were in, they were a little time we could actually have on the team. So the numbers dwindled down later, and they actually helped us out, but – uh, the turnout we got, I expected. Uh, I was happy we got it. That I mean, that works for me. Now, Steve, to you, as someone who has that background at football at this level, you have seen the Dynasty start as a organization and build to where they are now. When you're on the ground floor of the Lady Panthers, what was the first thing that you saw that in your mind, when things start to progress, that you're like, this could be kind of huge. What was your one moment you're like, this can be done by us? Um, my quarterback. I saw her, and I saw myself, and I was just kind of like trying to use what Dice to use, the same format, as far as the plays and the way we handle business. I was just like, we can transition and do the same thing, then it's going to be big. Now, with that said, Steve, like like you said, you, the uh, Lady Panthers, they they represent the state of Mississippi, them and the Royal to go, skip the Royal to go, let's focus on the Lady Panthers. How much do you think it matters to your players that when they put on that helmet, when they put on those pads, that they're representing pretty much an entire state? Uh it, it was new to them. They didn't understand that at first. And like I said, it's starting to buy in now with the exposure that they're getting. You know, like I said, the, the actual Carolina Panthers sent us a kit this weekend, you know, like wristbands and head scarves and stickers and all this next keychains. So I think that they're starting to understand now how, how big it is as far as women's football. Makes sense. Matt, to you as a defender, this in general, when you 
you have had to play on teams that just started and just kind of got in the way. What are the first two, first few weeks like as a expansion franchise? Uh, they're they're exciting. They're they're tough. They're a tough time because when you when you first you knew you're gonna get a lot of people who gonna want to wait and see what you're gonna be, and they're gonna try to take stuff and be like, all right, I'm gonna go out here and see. I remember um, the first year we started with the Predators. Uh, before we had split into two into the Chiefs and stuff like that, the first year we started with 110 players because people just wanted to see what we were going to do. And then by the time we went through camp and the pads came out, we were down to about <laughs> about 60 players. Then by the time the uh, first week rolled around, I think we had cut it off at uh, about 47 to 48 players. So it um, that – the first few weeks, first few months, it's exciting because you just like, all right, we're going to see. You're going to get a lot of folks come out there. You're going to see some folks who want to come out there and prove that they still got it. And it's like, oh, yeah, we, we'll see. And, you you know, you still got to navigate the hurdles. You're still figuring out different costs and stuff, um, getting everybody on one accord, getting people who have been rivals for so long to come and be teammates. So it's it's pretty exciting to me. That I mean that makes sense. Now, Alishana, to you as someone who may not be the biggest player out there, when you first put that helmet on and you got hit, what did that feel like just to get that first hit underway? When I first put it on, like. Mm-hmm. I actually got ran over <laughs> trying to make a tackle. That was my first game. I played because this is my second year playing. But once I got ran over, I was just like, you know what? I got to be a little aggressive. This is real. So after that, I started work, working on different techniques. And then I just started, once I got that big hit, it was just like, hey, this is fun. <laughs> so it, it took a it, it took a while. Especially, it, well, I'm, I'm not going to say it, it took a while. It was like after that first game. Once everything settled in, it was like, okay, I'm here. I can do this. Makes sense. Now, Mike, to you, as a standout offensive lineman, one who has seen pretty much it all happen at this level, when you have to coach your technique, what has been the easiest thing to coach and the biggest challenge you've had so far in trying to teach technique? Um, the easiest thing is um, run blocking. Just uh go straight ahead and hit somebody in front of you. Um, the toughest part, it's a tie, actually, between zone blocking and and pass blocking. Because it's like, well, you're, you're going to the left, it's somebody in front of you, but you're giving them a punch and going to somebody else. And it's, sometimes you get to what face? Like, huh? And it's just, you keep saying it, and then you got to realize, all right, let me – and we break it down to layman's terms, like in, in pass blocking. It's like you're going back, but you're still, you know, being aggressive at the same time. And they, you know, so it, the, the toughest part is actually breaking it down to, to layman's terms for them. Now, Steve, to you, as you and I have talked a bunch of times about how stats don't matter, you have more of a a feel for the game when you get the game, it just it slows down to that intangible quality of you know where to be at certain times and certain places. Can any of that be taught, or do you just try to make sure that the players know to kind of keep aware, keep awareness? Like, can you pass that knowledge on what you've learned by game experience to your uh, quarterback, or is it more of like teaching the uh, basics on the first day? Um, the, well, the way I teach it, I break it down into like, pre, I make it pretty simple to let them know it's going to be okay. Like, <clears throat> like, 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 uh, folk can tell you, I call, we call it folks. Sandra can tell you, <laughs> like, if you get beat or you, you know, miss a tackle or this and that, it's okay as long as you know why you messed up. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's always been my mindset the next play. No matter what, you still got another opportunity because the, the game still goes on. So, like with my quarterback, 
if she overthrow or underthrow or miss a read, it's okay because the game still has to be played. So you just the next play it is, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's the best way to kind of get that mindset. You can't get stuck on what that, that one play. Like we had it today. Uh, we had a big, we had a little situation with a DB and a receiver. I was, okay, you just got two yards. Now you got to get eight. So you go out there, you get twenty. You know, so that's the next play mentality. Is is never beating you up for your flaws. Your flaws are okay. You just got to know why you did wrong. That makes sense. Now, Matt, to you, when you see a player who may not have played football for either a while or they're new to it, when that when the light turns on and they start they start finally to understand and grasp the concepts, can you tell immediately, like in a huddle or during practice, like, huh, he gets it, or is it more of like seeing them perform during a game where you can actually see how much they progressed? All right, that's that's a good question, Terry, and I got a great example for that. Uh, I'm gonna use one of my high school players. Uh, where, where I coach, at, I get a lot of kids. Sometimes this is their first time playing football, or they, or they hadn't played in a while, like you said. Um, last year I had a kid. He's from. Uh, he was actually born in Russia, and he only been living in the United States the last two years. And he had played rugby and soccer, didn't know anything about American football. Fancy kid on this, ninth grader, he already running a 4.49. And I was like, look, listen to me, I'm going to show you how to play football. For the first couple of weeks, everybody tell you it was when we got in the season, he couldn't remember the holes, he couldn't remember anything. And I was, I, I put bad coaching on my part because I kept trying to make him a running back, kept trying to make him a running back because he was aggressive. And then I thought about it. In the middle of a game, we were in a tight game, and I told the head coach, I said, hey, put him at defensive end. He looked at me and said, coach, I don't know nothing about no defensive end. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, just go find the ball. I said, wherever you see the ball, just go tackle. He ended up being an all-state defensive end from that moment on. And it, when it clicked, it was just like, Jesus, why would you try to make him a running back when he can – He's a defense. He's a defensive guy. He sat down. He scored five at running back, but he scored six touchdowns on defense. And his defense just clicked. Offense, it just didn't work for him. So when you when you see that when you when you see somebody, it just clicks. It just it lights up because you know when they in the zone. He didn't he didn't have a great stance. He didn't have anything. Just pure athleticism for a while. And then when he once he built that confidence, it was like yes, go 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 go. So it kind of made me laugh because his English wasn't that great either, but he would get excited. And he was just like, Coach, can I just run and hit somebody? And I was like, no, no, no. That was that was the only bad part about it because then he just wanted to hit nobody. He didn't care if you had the ball or not. But, <laughs> you know, it, it was you moving. They ain't blew a whistle, so that means I can hit you. And uh, so he – he made me proud, and then this year he came to me. He'll actually be here tomorrow for um, when we start camp. And he was just like, uh, he was like, Coach, I'm ready to just hit somebody. Can I play defense and no offense? And I was like, all right. And he said, and I got new stands I've been working on. He said, he said, have you heard of this guy named Von Miller? Yes, I know who Von Miller is. He said, I've been watching him, and I got some moves I want to work out. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so, it, that's one of the things he's he became he's 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 quite funny, and he he that's all he does all uh, for the last couple of months he'll call me and he'll find somebody in there field he's like yeah I saw this guy do this I think I can do it, and I'm like okay let let's baby walk before the end but I like the enthusiasm so I don't I don't tell him the back I say try it all you can do is try so when that when those lights click on somebody who hadn't played in a while or never played. I mean, it lights up the room because you know they the their ceiling is so high, and they and their motor's gonna be high, and it's gonna be hard to break their spirit. So that's why I like to see guys like that turn up like that. Makes sense. Now, Alashana, to you, when you played your first game this year, the day after, what was the one thing that you took away from the the day before? That one thing, that one, the lesson you learned most or deepest. Uh, 
for the defense, uh, what I learned the most is we needed to communicate better. And once we started clicking, as the season went on, it was like we was communicating. I knew where, especially my uh, nipple on my side, I knew where she was going to be at all times. And that's most important. And you know where this person's supposed to be, and y'all are on one page, it makes it easy. Now, it makes sense. Now, Mike, when the Lady of the Panthers season and the Dynasty season kind of run side by side, when you got, I mean, when you're on the road and, you know, you're kind of checking to see how they're doing, how much pride as a coach slash part owner do you feel when you see how far they have progressed this season? It's it's amazing, actually. Like, like this entire, I'll give you one game in particular. Uh, we played the Lightning, and we went to a double overtime game. So we were struggling on the field, and we were getting reports of their score. We're, we're so much more excited that they're winning than what we going through. And I know it sounds bad <laughs> as, a, as a player and being on the field, but we can't score like, oh, we, we got a sack fumble or we got an interception. It's just it's, it's like, yeah, I was out there coaching. That's, how, that's why they're doing that. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. And, like, you're full with pride when you, when you hear and get the report. Now, see you as the pretty much one of the you know offensive minds on the team. When you when you lay down a game plan and you have watched the team like execute it to your liking, what does that feel like? Knowing that hey, you made this game plan or you help you know form this game plan and they're out here executing. How? How proud does that make you feel to see your work on the field being uh, translated properly? I, I honestly never looked at it. Um, I have a, I never looked at it like, yeah, I called that or yeah, the game plan worked. It's pretty much because, you know, like I said, I, I've kind of been quoted on saying, like, I feel like we have the best women athletes, like, hands down, over team. So it's like when we win – it's like that's what you're supposed to do. It's like when you lose, I want to figure out why it didn't execute. You know what I'm saying? So, like, now it comes to the failure as a coach. Like, what went wrong, the reason we didn't win. But as far as them, you know what I'm saying, when they execute and when the game plan goes, it's like, you know, you start practicing actually, what, September? We practice in September and play in April. So it gives you so much time to kind of get it together. And it's like, I trust my quarterback to make the right read, the right throw, the right run, my defense to make the right coverages, the right tackles. So, you know, I never really looked at it like, yeah, they executed what we, you know what I'm saying, what we installed in them. It's just trying to bring out the better version of themselves. Sounds like the way it should be. Now, Matt, you as someone who who also coaches, when you have a a younger player who – tries hard, but just can't, may not have the most athletic skills, but works hard at his craft. How much more does that motivate you to show him everything he needs to know to try to even, just try to try to get him in the right spots? That motivates me a lot because that means I can, I can live with effort. And I tell my kids that all the time, I can live with effort. And I know this, uh, I know this sounds cliche, but and I know it's very cliche, but you know, uh, hard work beats talent, but talent don't work hard. So I tell them all the time, you know, we're not gonna always be the the best team, physic, uh, physically, athletically, and stuff like that. But if you work hard and do what you're supposed to do and do your job, everything else will take care of itself. So it, it motivates me a lot when I have kids that, you know, they know that. They they not the best athletically and they're okay with that, but they just not gonna let you out work. You know they they might say, Coach, I want to do this a hundred times so I get it right. And when you do that, those kids I, those kids like that, I play them, I play them a lot because I know they're gonna go out and give me a hundred percent effort versus I might have somebody who's athletically gifted, but 
they don't want to they want to do it their way, or you know it's it's a or they're a me player. I don't need that because that's poison on the team. So uh, when I when I have those kids that work hard like that, I I try to make sure I work and give them just as much energy as they give me to to, to do the job correct. Makes sense. Now, Alashana, to you, how do you inspire your teammates to succeed when they either miss a tackle or they drop a pass? How do you keep their spirits up? Uh, motivate them. Just tell them next play. That's how I'm in talented, even when I coach you. It's like uh, Steve said earlier, if we mess up, yeah, she come and ask me. She's like, hey, what did you do wrong? Did you watch film? And this and that. It's just like with tryouts today. We got a couple of girls who never played, and I made sure I was in tune with them. Because I knew certain drills we were doing, I knew what we were doing. Of course, I saw their facial expression, and they was like, ah, "I might not can get this." And I'm like, "Hey, you just do this, stand your tiptoes." So it's all about motivating a person and not putting them down and letting them know, "Hey, it's okay to mess up. You knew this, but if you mess up, know why you messed up, and move on to the next play." It's all about getting better. If we work with each other in practice and in trials, and our goal is to get better in every practice and to listen to our coaches and. As long as we're in tune with our coaches and, like I said, we're out there motivating each other, picking each other up, and letting each other know, hey, it's okay, you messed up this, we can work on this together, and we'll get better. So, sounds, I mean, it's, it sounds like the team definitely has that strong mindset. Mike, to you as someone who plays in the, in the uh, trenches, and I'm sure that you watch your offensive line play, what has been – so far, the the coolest thing you you've seen one of your linemen or the best block you've seen when one of your linemen execute during a game that you can remember. Best block. Um, it's a player that uh, she she doesn't talk much. Like we didn't think actually she would play for a while. Like she stopped showing up, but then she came back out of nowhere. Um, we refer to her as Little Bill, bro because she has a sister that plays on the team that's actually a big player on the team. But, um, like, when she actually got in and changed that guard, like, she stood tough. And um, there's not one player in particular, but overall her play. Like, she stood tough and was like, I, I like it. I'm coming back. And, um, like I said, we call a little bill, bro. And her, yeah. That's on my own line. That's the one. Now, Steve, as someone who has a successful business as a barber who has, I think, what, three kids who play football himself, how do you juggle so many hacks and so many things without just, you know, and still keep it calm? How do you focus on so many things at once? Hennessy. 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 <laughs> I've seen that one come right after that one. <laughs> Y'all, y'all, y'all laughing. My face straight. (laughs) We just just left. Yeah, we actually just left. (laughs) You know, all three of us. (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, like I say, man. Um. And with the kids, um, my kids, I have an 11-year-old, 4-year-old, and an 8-month-old. So, like, yeah. first thing, first day, I, like, they have a great mother, for one. So it's, like, very understanding. Um, no, understand, They understand my passion with football. Uh, with my football play, I kind of took the back seat because, like, not, not – arrogant or anything, but I felt like I can ride the wave as long as I, my body stays in shape. Um, with the ladies, like I said, most of them come from flag football, so they already knew the X's and O's. It just became putting it together. So it really wasn't hard. Like I said, we have a great coaching staff and a lot of help. Like, the dynasty guys help so much that it's crazy. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, I can hear you, Steve. I think Terry, we might have lost Terry. How we lose Terry off his own podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we're on his show, we lost Terry. God. Uh-oh. Hold on. Yeah. I need to There you go. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. We had a technical difficulty. But, Steve, like, when you, like I said, you have to deal with so much going on, and you're relatively 30. How much longer do you see yourself playing before you slip into the coach-slash-owner role full-time? Uh, <laughs> this, this interview will get leaked out. Well, it's gonna get leaked out. You got five thousand people who listen at this at, at one time. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I I really think I'm done now. Man. I really like I I I feel like I have another year in me, but at the same time, I feel like I'm done now. So it's like if not this year, next year. But I think I think I'm done now. Is is it not there anymore? Or just like you just you know you have accomplished everything you set your mind to, and it's time to like uh, conquer something else. I I feel like it's still there. Um, I still you know the the support I get from you know my teammates and coaches is still there. It's just at this point. Um, I have accomplished a lot. We won a lot, but like as far as you know, being a quarterback, I feel like better quarterbacks came in and try. Well, you know, came in and expressed the you know the desire to want to play. Um, thought about going the defense, the defense side of the ball, but you know you have guys twenty two, twenty three, with great talent. So it's like it's at the point to where it's mixed emotions, but. Like, of course, I feel like I still have a lot to give. I just don't know what my heart is at this moment. Plus, it's still August. I mean, y'all just finished playing in, in what, June 29th. There's still, like, six months to go in before you might even see, you know, like, you have practice, but the games don't count until, like, February. So you have, you have time left. Matt, to you, the same question. You are, I'm guessing, like, 32, 33-ish. How much longer do you see yourself yeah. doing this? Uh, it's so funny you said that because uh, the old lady in the house just looked at me. She was waiting for that question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she heard it all the way across the room and looked dead at me. <laughs> uh, I, I, I tell her all the time, I say, uh, I'll quit playing the day she come out here and beat me in a 40-yard dash because she used to run track. She said, I can't run no more. I said, well, I guess I can keep playing then. But um, <laughs> honestly, until that one day, I just feel like I get up and I just say, you know what? I can't, I can't, I can't do it today. Um, I, I, do, I every year I say this is this is this is it. This is the last year. Every year I say that, and uh, then I, I get out there, I start running around. And somebody, uh, somebody in the city always say, "Man, Matt ain't got it no more." And then it become a challenge to uh, come out there and, and do what I gotta do. So I, I think I gotta. I'm, I'm kind of like, see, I feel like I got another year or two in me. But uh, like you said, Terry, is 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 early right now. I, I still see myself with playing one more season, then then it's over with. Um. And you know, just full time coaching and stuff like that. So I really think I'm gonna play one more, and then that, then that's gonna be it. Now hey, I'm hey, gonna start. How you, how you old lady looking upside your head right now? Man, she look. That's why I walked outside, man. <laughs> she could, she came out of the balcony to see where I, which way I went because she was starting mm-hmm. that She was back in the house. So, <laughs> she, yeah. she, 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 I, know, I know the look for sure. Yeah, she, she, you know, she gave me them death eyes, and I was like, man, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know the look for sure. Now I'm gonna start this this uh, line of questioning with Matt, and I'm gonna bring it all around everyone. First, Matt, 
if you could go back and like if you right now could give twenty one year old Matt the best piece of football advice, what would it be? Uh, transfer from Auburn. <laughs> that, 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 that would that would be it. Uh, I I would go with my gut and go ahead and, and transfer, and and uh, tell them you know don't let them change your position no more. That would be the best two things I could tell myself. Now, Lashonda, like you, I'm. I'm just guessing you might be the youngest one here, but what would be the advice you would give yourself at 18? Like, if you go back in time and say, hey, I'm 18 years old, this is the advice I would give to myself, what would it be? That was a long time ago. <laughs> you, said, you said the youngest. <laughs> oh. The 18-year-old me, the advice I would probably give myself is to go after whatever it is that I think I could do, especially with football. I think uh, the 18-year-old foe, especially with high school, I probably would have tried to play in high school and tried to go after it and be the best player that I could possibly be. And that's not it, but that was a long time ago. I was like, 18? <laughs> <laughs> now, Mike, going back into time, what would the uh, 21-year-old Mike have to hear from the uh, current Mike? Um, honestly, you're better than you think you are. Like, even uh, 21 and even younger, like playing in high school, I didn't think I was as good as I was. Like, I thought I was just an average person walking on the field and whatever. Whatever happens, happens. But um, I would tell my younger self that you, you're better than you think you are. Um, put the extra work in and you can you can go to the next level. You can you can play at a different level, and that'll be it. Now, Steve, what would like you're about thirty? What would the advice you would give yourself at twenty? At twenty, about life itself. Anything about life, about whatever. Like if you if you go back in time and have a beer, or I'm sorry, you could have a glass of a Henny with yourself, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, good question. At 20, um, that's a good question. I really, really don't know the answer to it. Um, I can't speak on 20. I probably speak on younger than 20, but I guess okay, say, so 16. Uh, if I can go back to 16, I would have took life serious because I feel like I felt like I I was kind of rough growing up. I was one of those kids that you can't make it to see 18. So, like, every year I made it after 18, it was more so like I made it after 18. You know what I'm saying? It's like trying to prove somebody wrong. But I would have straightened up a lot and focused on being better. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was pretty good in high school, but I didn't go to class. So, I didn't go to class. I didn't do work. So that you know, what I'm saying that kind of hurt me off the rip. Not knowing that you got to have a X amount of G, uh, 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 what is GPA and all this and that. So I wanted to put myself in better position as far as in being more aware of what I needed to do. Now, now this is. I mean, we have definitely talked about football. See, one question to you: If someone wants to donate or contribute or sponsor the I'll let you Panthers. How they go about it? Okay. Um. Well, first thing first, we we just got a nonprofit paperwork. Yes. Um, you know that's the first thing we got. So you can go by email. I want to say, and you know the Mississippi Lady Panthers. Reach out to. Uh, I stepped down as the owner. Uh, Cam is the owner now. So we, you know, you can go by with that uh, same same exact email address for our, our cash out. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Mississippi Lady Panthers. Uh, and like I say, just pretty much social media alone, like it's kind of giving us a lot of a lot of time, a lot of chances to promote. So that'll pretty much be the best way to kind of help us out 
looking up into what we do, you know, like even if you don't give a dollar, like look into what we have going on and, you know, if you can make a game or come to a trial or invite us to, to, you know what I'm saying, talk to something, even, even share a post. All that is welcome because, like I say, it's something new. And like I say, with us, I think Shake, Shake, uh, well, Gaywood coached literally before, like I said, for most of us, this is our first time ever coaching. Period. So this is a this is a new experience. So you know, all the all the promotion and all this and that, that'll, that'll be great donations. Just word of mouth. No, I saw that. Oh. A party y'all had, or I think it was on Facebook. Somebody posted a video of the party. How many shots did you have last night, or when you were at that party? Who had a party? No, I left the party. I had to go to work. Well, see, with me, I'm I'm not a big shot guy. I'm a cup guy. How many cups? And, um, it was it was Saturday, you know, you know at the barbershop. So I had two cups at work. Came home, had another two or three cups. Went to the bar a little later, had another what a, two cups and a beer. I I can put it down, sir. I can really put it down. Careful, I'm meaning to talk to you about your drinking. You said what? I'm meaning to talk to you about your drinking. It's hotter than hell down there. How do you, how do all y'all drink down there without passing out? It's hot as shit in Mississippi. Well, that's how we do it without passing out. We drink when it, we had trials uh, Saturday. We were drinking that trials. You know, no, no, you were drinking lot, tryouts. I'm a professional. You were you were drinking with me. Allegedly. But as long as you can, you know, we we're still able to function and and take care. Of what we need to take care. Of. Like we know. What we have to do is just feel a little better when you're drinking with it. There you go. Now, man, man, listen. It. We had a turn. We had a softball tournament up here last year. It was like 90 degrees. I had like six beers. I thought I was gonna die at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm, mm-mm. I was up at the plate. I couldn't even. I couldn't even see the ball. I'm like, shit. I gotta just swing the bat and just hope for the best. Mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think we're gonna win it. By the way. <laughs> See, I know you don't need that from you, Matt. I don't need to hear that right now. <laughs> but Matt, to you, when now that you have a few months off of football, actually from playing, what's your summertime like um, hobby, Matt? Uh, coaching. <laughs> there you go. Coaching, coaching, and uh, traveling. That's what that's what uh, we usually do during my uh, off time. I've been revamping my uh, playbook for my high school team uh, with some adjustments and recruiting some players in. Uh, I know folks kind of frown upon recruiting in high school, but I, I do recruit. Because uh, <laughs> we, we, are, we are at a private school. Uh, I kind of I use one of the programs that we got that uh, – uh, 90% of the high schools don't have. We have an aviation program. We teach you how to fly. So <laughs> that's my selling point on a lot of the kids. And, you know, you want to learn how to fly a plane, you just, your parent got $40,000 laying around, you go learn how to fly, or you can learn how to fly a plane as part of your school curriculum here. So we get a, we get a lot of that going on. But that that's all my, my uh, that's what my summers consist of. Uh, yeah. just went and the uniforms and painted the stadium again and stuff like that. So football really don't ever stop for me. It's just switching to a different mode. <laughs> there you go. Uh, LaShonda, when you are, now that you guys have the summer, how do you kick back and relax after a long day? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well... I'm kind of like Steve, you know, uh, after a long day, I want to have a drink or two. What's wrong with that? Or three? And a three. Or three. And or happy hour. And, and drinks. Yeah, I, I, will go to a happy, <laughs> I will go to a happy hour, you know. And I hit Steve or Gatewood up. I'm like, what's going on? You want to go half hour? Let's go. <laughs> 
and we'll come out and have a drink and enjoy ourselves and have a good conversation. We went out last Thursday. I had I, I walked in and had the the a tequila in the glass. Even before I drank that tequila, I could smell it in in the drink. You had a you had a good bartender. Oh, it yeah, was good. I was. My whole head hurt the next morning. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm getting way too old for this nonsense. Um, <laughs> Mike, do you as someone who works like I know that you said you were a bouncer, right? Yes, part time. What is the funniest excuse for someone like or the uh, funniest thing you've seen as a bouncer? Funniest thing I've seen? Mm-hmm. One time I walked, I was doing a bathroom check, and it was a guy sitting on top of the sink, and he just threw me. It threw me off. Like, I'm like, yo, what are you doing up there? And he said, I just want to take a picture for my birthday. But why do you want to take a picture on top of the sink? That's what I'm not understanding. He was like, man, um, get me something to look, bro. Get down. And at first he didn't want to get down. I said, if you don't get down, I'm going to snatch you down by your ankles. Hmm. That's <laughs> yeah, that would hurt. But, um, huh? You said, what's this? That would hurt. Yeah. That was, the, that was probably the funniest thing I've seen. Like, standing on the sink. That was, that was, I didn't expect that. I expected drunk people. I expected different things, but standing on the sink was probably the funniest thing I've seen. Oh my God. Now, Steve, to you, one of the pet peeves you, you have to have as a barber are, or probably from what I've heard talking to other barbers, is people who show up to get their hair cut who don't wash their hair beforehand. You said, you said what about it? People who show up to get their hair cut who don't wash their hair before they get their hair cut. Like, who, like, oh. have, like dandruff or whatever. I always tell them it's like the the best cuts come on clean hair. So, you know, I can still perform a good haircut on dirty hair, but your best haircut comes with clean hair. Is there one particular haircut that you are most proud of? Like the one particular cut you like, you know what? That's my signature haircut right there. As of as of now, uh, no. Uh, a while ago, it used to be the Mohawk, but like now, oh. it's just you have so many different hairstyles and so many different people. It's just like you just rolling, you know. Like I said, I do my appointments every thirty minutes. You just roll and go. Uh, what about kids' haircuts? I don't. I don't like kids. If I see a kid book a haircut appointment on my app, um, I'm looking for a, a sick card or something like that. But for the most part, you know, adults, any hairstyle really don't matter. I, kinda I, can't look I, I don't look, I, I'm really, I don't really do sheer work. Like, I don't. Really cut too many Caucasian heads. <laughs> that makes sense. Because it's funny. I, I like to see. I like how he. I like, I, I like how he trains it. Because there's like one barber in this town I live in, and I have to shave my head bald. I do not like. My son is uh, biracial, and he gets well. He. He can have the uh, share work because he doesn't have the super tight hair, but mm -mm, I will shave mine off. I went to a barber and asked Lee to, to fade his hair and to blend it. She looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language. I'm like, we, we are not going here ever again. Steve, yeah. if, if, you, if, Steve if you were closest to uh, Oblaga, man, I can get that. You have some steady customers because uh, at our school, we require for the boy to have a haircut. They got a barber on campus. And he be jacking them boy head up, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I, I think I was told a long time ago, like Alabama is not really strict on that barber license. You really don't have to have barber license to be a barber. Nah, so, it, 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 I, it, it's just like where I'm at, man. I tell people to go to certain um, barber shops. It's some, it's some. Pretty, uh, we got some pretty good ones, but their own campy barber be tearing them up, man. It's a, you know, yeah. A guy, and when he get the black students, he be like. Yeah, I just cut his hair like that, and I had to tell, I had to go to the counselor and the dean and say, "Hey, man, I'll take them to the barbershop. shop." 
That makes sense. That makes sense. They getting too old. There was a guy I played football with who uh, had um, took off his helmet and had, I'm not going to lie, it was the worst fade ever. It was like three different shades of like black hair over here. It was a skinny fade on another side. I'm like, who jacked up your hair? Well, it was free. I'm like, was your barber blind? What the hell is wrong with you? Don't ever leave a, a, somebody's shop looking that sideways. And people underestimate a good haircut. Like, it is, when you have a good haircut, everything else works. Shonda, yeah. to you, what is the worst hairstyle you've seen with Shonda? Like, the worst hairstyle you've seen in the last six months from anybody? Worst hairstyle? Hmm. I haven't seen one in a minute. I'm trying to think. Especially here in Mississippi. Uh, say, tell me out. What's the worst? Huh? The worst, I, I tell you the worst I've seen. I can't tell you the worst you've seen. The worst I've okay. seen. I'm try- uh, well, you, you still got a, co- a couple of people who rock Jerry Curls. <laughs> so, that's, mm. uh, so, you know, you got the older people, especially while I work in Ken. So, that's probably the worst. Time to let it go. Yeah, rough. Wait, this is got Jericho's on here? Yeah, we saw <laughs> <laughs> so I worked with a guy that had four different haircuts. He had a Jericho on top, <laughs> a mullet in the back, faded on the sides. Was, that was different. Yeah. So people underestimate the quality of a, or the quantity or the quality of a good haircut. I want to thank y'all for for joining us. I want our I want our listeners to make sure that they follow the Mississippi Lady Panthers on Facebook. That there's a there's a catch up available. If you are anywhere in the Jackson area, just in the state of Mississippi, if you want to see a good game, please check these people out. It's a a quality program run by quality people with a quality product. Mike, Steve, Matt, Deshonda, thank you all for joining us tonight. Thanks for having us. Appreciate you having us. Appreciate it, man. Doors always open. Thank you for joining us. This has been another episode of Under Helmet. Take care of each other and take care of yourselves. Good night.